When I first felt the call of bringing this podcast out into the world, I also had a knowing that Desiree Harp would be our very first guest. Today, under the glowing light of this spectacular blue moon and with the song of the crickets, that knowing is coming into fruition. Welcome to the Rosa Guayaba podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Deganello Girodi. We recorded this conversation last winter as part of my program called Opening to the Medicine of Winter. And when Desi and I listened to it again just now, we agreed to share it with you because the themes are not only relevant for the cold and dark season, but also for difficult passages in life. Desiree is Onatsatis and Dene. She's a singer, songwriter, community organizer, and educator. She performs original songs that are influenced by her love for hip-hop and R&B. She also sings songs in her native language. She currently works for the Sonoma Ecology Center in Northern California, where she educates the community about how native people, plants, animals, and waterways are interconnected. She's a lead organizer of an annual prayer journey called Run for Salmon, which many of you listening I know are familiar with that supports the restoration of wild salmon in California waterways. Desi's presence very much embodies the energy that I have dreamed of sharing with you through this podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode, and if you do, it would be helpful if you could leave a star rating and maybe a review because that's what the platforms use to share the podcast with more earth lovers around the world. So, so happy to have you with us. Before we get started in our conversation, I just wanted to uh, introduce you with with a story. And uh, this was a couple of years ago. Now we were at the Run for Salmon. and. It was maybe, I don't know, it felt like four o'clock in the morning or something like that. I was asleep in my tent and all of a sudden I hear uh, the prayer song starting um, and I, it's just kind of like the most beautiful way that I can imagine to wake up is to that song. So it was pitch dark earlier than I would have waken up uh, on my own. And um, the singing started to happen. So I got up, got out of my 
tent. And um, in that pitch darkness, I heard a voice uh, saying something like, are you going? I said, yes. Can I come with you? I said, yes. I didn't know who it was, but I could just feel your presence. I didn't know it was you but I could just feel your presence. And so I, it was very easy for me to say, yes, come with me, I'll drive. And, um, and along the way, you started encouraging the, um, the runners, it was runners during that segment um, with this song. And when I heard you singing this song, like in the darkness as the runners carried the salmon forward, I have to tell you, Desi, it was like one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. It's, it's a moment that I will treasure forever. And, uh, and I was thinking about it related to this theme of opening to the medicine of winter, because in some ways, you know, the situation that the Winneman Wintu are in, the situation that the salmon are in, the situation that many indigenous people are in can be thought of in some ways as a winter, as a dark winter. And, and the way in which you were holding it in that moment really allowed me to open to the medicine of it and gave me some indication as to what, what it could be like to be fully present in that moment and to bring a prayerful, uplifting presence and energy to it. So maybe we can play the song and then you can tell us a little bit about it. Um, let me share the sound here. a little bit about that song what it brings up for you and yeah 
that song brings up a lot for me just because that song doesn't come from my tribe. Um, I come from the Mishuawapo people, also known as Onatsatis. And so that song, even though it doesn't come from my tribe, it has a really big impact in my life. The first time that I heard that song being sung was when I was marching and I was marching in the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women March and people were singing that song. And I didn't catch it during that moment I caught the song when I was actually standing in the ocean for hours with a good friend of mine and we sang it again and again until I finally got it. And yeah, I just feel like that song is really powerful and it's related to a very powerful moment in my life. And I don't even know if you know this. But there's two things that I really remember when I hear this song. Um, but before I tell you those stories, I just want to say the origins that I have heard. I have heard that this is a song that comes from Canada. And I know that it is a song that many people sing at marches. And I heard a really sad story, actually, about a woman who sang this song recently and somebody said oh are you gonna sing that pan-indigenous song and they kind of said it with a negative connotation mm -hmm. and um you know so a good friend of mine she actually didn't want to sing the song during a gathering because of the way that people were criticizing her for singing it and I think that's because some people expect that as Indigenous people, we're going to share songs that come from our personal traditions. And so this song is one of those songs that has traveled and has so many stories for so many people. I have seen women who are canoeing and they're singing this song as they're canoeing. And my understanding is that it is a woman warrior song. That is one of the stories that I have been told. Um, and I think that when it comes to these kinds of songs, it is difficult to say exactly where the origin of that song comes from. Um, and I will be honest that someone else told me that that song um it came from a bear ceremony and they were determined to get everyone to change their mind about the song and so anyways I just feel like this song is reflective of this entire conversation because I feel like this song was present with me 
during moments that really caused me to let go of myself and to become a part of everything around me. Mm-hmm. And so one of the moments that was really special for me was when I was singing this song as a part of a climate march rally. And there was thousands of people behind me and they asked me to lead this march. And I started to sing this song. And after I sang it, thousands of people started singing with me. And so it was just a really beautiful moment. And I feel like another moment that was really, really moving for me was when I was in San Francisco and there was indigenous women from around the world that were there and they were there to say a prayer for the missing and murdered indigenous women. And the reason why this particular moment is something that makes me emotional is because there was a time when I went to the water when I was younger and I was very caught up in my head and I was very caught up in my emotions and I was really sad. And then when I went to the water, all of the noise disappeared. And so I was really depressed during that time. And I remember when I first went to the water, I wanted to throw myself in the water. And then when I was standing by the water, all of that weakness that was an illusion, I feel like it just went away because I realized that I was a part of the water and that all of the strength of the water was inside of me. So this same place where I had this very intimate moment with the water, years later, I am in that same exact place with 100 women and we're praying for the missing and murdered indigenous woman. And we were singing this song together. And so I just feel like that moment was also very special for me because then there was a young woman that was with me and she and I carried the water and we that was blessed and we poured it into the ocean in that same place that I was depressed before. So I guess that to me, that song, what it really means to me is it's showing how women are reflections of the earth and how when we heal ourselves, we also heal the earth. And so I know that you met me on the Run for Salmon prayer journey. And during the Run for Salmon prayer journey, there was this same sentiment because we are reflections of the salmon. And so when we pray for the salmon, they can feel everything that we're feeling. And so that was the moment that you heard me singing the song was when I was singing this song, not only to pray for strength for the people, but also to pray for the salmon. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. I had no idea. I had no idea of the, of your story with relationship to this song and uh, how much kind of medicine it carried in, in your life. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, so much of this speaks directly to this theme of opening to the medicine of winter. I mean, one big thing that I heard you say was that, um, you know, part of opening to the medicine of winter is remembering the medicine that you have received and then sharing that. So like remembering the power of what you have received and then sharing it. Like when you said that you shared it with those thousands of people in that climate march. I, I don't know about this climate march that you were in, but the climate marches that I have been a part of have been in many ways quite angry events, a lot of anger coming through. And so when you say that you started singing this song and thousands of people started singing with you, to me, that must have been a whole transformation of the energy because of course, people have good reason to be angry, right? Um, we all do. And at the same time, we also know that the energy of anger is one that interrupts the process of healing. Mm -hmm. So if what we're here for is to support healing, then actually that's what you were doing by sharing this medicine, by sharing, by sharing this song and this prayer. There are so many stories that are attached to this song. I feel like this whole segment could be about Desiree's stories. With <laughs> but I just wanted to say that I can resonate with what you just said because there was another moment that I sang this song and I was in San Diego and there were military snipers who were pointed at us because there was a group of people who was occupying Chicano Park in San Diego because they didn't want the Nazis to take over the park. So there were so many police and so many military that came and the Chicano people and the indigenous people and all of the people that were there in support, they were trying to make sure that everyone who was at the park was in a celebratory state and that everyone that was at the park was really just like you're saying, grounded in the medicine and not giving into that anger. And there was one point where I had the megaphone and everybody started singing songs with me. And that was one of the songs that I sang. And we sang songs for so long and it really changed the way in which the interaction between us and the Nazis was happening. And I think that when the Nazis realized that they weren't going to get any kind of response from us and that we were just going to stay in prayer, they left. And so I just want to say that, yeah, this, this, concept of tapping into the divine feminine and really tapping into our medicine and staying in that rather than giving into the anger is definitely a big part of this song. Gosh, that's so amazing. It's, it's just an incredible story. And 
And such a reminder of what you were saying that as women, we are reflections of the earth. And so as we heal ourselves, we heal the earth. And part of healing ourselves is remembering who we are, remembering that we are all carriers of these songs and carriers of this medicine, even though we've, even if we've forgotten, even if we, we have forgotten that, that this is in so many ways, what we are meant to offer as women is to be in circle, to be in song, to transform anger and hatred and confusion into healing, soothing that energy, right? Like meeting the fire with water and, and just grounding so that, so that we can move forward together. And, you know, I think there's beauty also in the fact that, that this song was, came from another tribe, from another ancestral language, because in a way, you know, I think so many of the themes of these times in which we live in is to bring together the different threads, the, the, the different ancestral wisdom, the different medicine, and to celebrate those different threads as we come together as, as one, as we like weave ourselves back together as like one humanity. Hmm. You know, actually, I, maybe, um, maybe you don't, you don't know this story, but um, I actually met you a little bit before the run for salmon. I met you in uh, Point Reyes. I remember. You, re you remember that? And it was an amazing experience also because um, that was right before I met Pom. And I remember when they introduced you on stage, they said um, that your name meant hummingbird. And as soon as I heard that, I just felt this like energy come through my whole body. It was like, um, it was like an energy of like, uh, like something important is about to happen. And, and actually, you know, then meeting Palm and learning about the run for salmon and then making the film One Word Sawamem, which you were a part of also basically kind of changed the whole direction of my life for the last few years. Um, yeah, and I feel like in that, in that particular instance, you were there also to, yeah, to offer that like hummingbird medicine. Mm. Something that somebody told me is that hummingbirds, they pollinate all these different flowers. And I feel like the same way that bees and butterflies and hummingbirds, they're cross-pollinating, right? And so that means that now there's connections mm -hmm. between all of these things that people didn't see connections with. 
And I just feel like I didn't even know you were going to ask me about that song. <laughs> and <laughs> as you can see, it's connected to many of the places that I've pollinated. <laughs> and um, yeah, and, and hearing how you and I met, it sounds like there was a lot of pollination happening there too. <laughs> Yeah, there was. It was so much cross-pollination. And actually, you know, the Habim bird had brought me a lot of important messages for my work and a lot of the inspiration for the, my nature practice comes from the hummingbird. Like one of the messages I received was um, that um, was about taking small, frequent sips of the divine in nature small frequent sips of the divine in nature and actually that is that is a definition that I've hold for my nature practice and that's how I teach it um, is is that part of how we deepen our relationship with nature is to take small frequent sips of the divine um, throughout the day and maintain our connection in in that in that way and actually recently i learned i learned a very beautiful word um, which of the coast miwok people who are the ancestral people of that land where we met in in point reyes um, and uh, the word is lumai and the word lumai means the sound that the hummingbird makes when wow. she's flying very fast. So it's like, so first of all, to me, that speaks of like, uh, you know, mastery of nature practice, which of course, you know, like, like to have a word specifically for that sound, um, so beautiful. But then also like when I hear that word lumai, to me, it feels like, it's kind of like a word that describes what happens when you are fully embodied in yourself. Like when a hummingbird is fully embodied, that's the sound that, that she makes. And I think that part of the power of that morning with you on the run for salmon was that I just felt your lumai, like your full embodied expression through this song. Hmm. I feel like we can bounce off of each other so much right now, but I am being quiet because I'm not sure if you have specific questions. <laughs> yes, we are here to talk about winter. All right, so let's get back on topic then. Um, tell me, what, what, um, what is opening to the medicine of winter for you? What, what does that mean? It's funny because... You just brought in the hummingbird to this story. And it's interesting because as a hummingbird, it is so difficult for me to slow down. But um, during the run for salmon, we talk a lot about the salmon that are so strong and they're going upstream and they endure all these things. And someone said, but don't the salmon also rest? And so I just feel like whether you're talking about the salmon or hummingbirds or bears, 
everything needs to rest. And I feel like when you just said what you said, it was so beautiful because it kind of helped me to understand what this meaning of slowing down means. And it doesn't necessarily mean that um, it's related to speed as much as it's related to flow. And I feel like right now when you were talking about the hummingbird and when you were saying that I was in this flow, right? Mm -hmm. I wasn't in my mind. I wasn't in my emotions. And I was fully in my body during that moment. And I was really aligning my mind, body, heart, and spirit as I was singing this song. And so you can feel that. And I feel like to me, it requires us to be still enough to where we can become a part of everything around us. And once we really are embodying everything around us, then that's when we can find that flow. And I feel like some people might say it's like being in the zone or there's different, there's different ways to describe that, but you just made me have a new perspective on it because I was going to talk about stillness, but I'm realizing that even when you're moving, that there's a way that you can also be aware of all of your surroundings and you can be in that flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love how you, how you spoke about, you know, how in that moment you aligned your mind, your body, your heart, your spirit. And that's what I could feel. That's exactly what I could feel. Like, because it was this energy that just kind of enveloped me. Um, and I'm just curious, like, what, what is the process that you go through to kind of get into that alignment? So... I feel like it requires you to let go of yourself. That's the best way that I can say it. There was a song I wrote once where I said, you are made of earth, air, water, fire, and the stars above. You are made of love and you have strength in your ancestral blood. Connected to creator of all things, you're a reflection of every living being. Call on all relations inside you. You have the power to manifest anything. So I feel like that song is what I'm talking about when I'm saying to let go of yourself because it really requires you to really embody that you are a part of everything around you. And 
one of the moments that I feel like this was really true for me was during the run for salmon prayer journey when we were canoeing. I remember I had so many emotions and I kept saying, I need to let go of these emotions. But I was so focused on letting go of my emotions that I wasn't present. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really embodying what we're talking about. And so then I let go of myself and I started just singing and I started singing in unison with the rest of the group. And I went from being in the back where I kept getting stuck to then being in the front. And it was because I wasn't overthinking it. I was literally just moving with the water and I was flowing. And so I feel like it requires you to let go of yourself and to understand how you are a part of everything. And then when I got into that state, I remember I could feel the energy of everything that was beneath us. And so I was no longer just focused on what was in front of my eyes, but I began to imagine everything that was beneath me as I was canoeing. I started imagining the water and the fish moving and the rocks. And I really could feel the energy of everything around me. And I feel like when we are aware of how our energy is connected to everything around us, that's when we truly are in flow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, so letting go of yourself. um, So, and, and specifically letting go of the parts of you that are pulling you away from the present moment. So kind of like, you know, like you were talking about being, um, you know, going through your emotions at that time, that was pulling you away from the present moment. So it was kind of getting you stuck. So letting go of that. And I also love how you said about coming back to singing in unison. Yeah, that there's so much. I feel like there's so much there because, you know, what happens when we're not singing in unison, that's when, that's when we, that's when we start singing off, like when we're off, when we're not in the, in the flow of the song. Um, And so you were, you were aware of what was happening in that moment what the people were up to what the water was up to what the canoeing rhythm was up to and then you just came into that moment and um and in doing that in like in like coming into this rhythm it's almost like there's the rhythm, which is the structure, and then there's the melody, which is the flow and the rhythm, the structure of that rhythm of, of like what, what is happening in that moment, then allows you to flow, allows the melody to, to happen. And, and then what you said also in terms of like this awareness, which is 
in one level, um, kind of a, a physical sensorial awareness of like, okay, what am I doing here? Where am I? Who am I with? Like, what's going on with the water? But then in, in opening that up, then you have easier access to the more subtle senses, which are which is what you were speaking of, kind of like this energetic connection to, um, to everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I loved your song, by the way. I mean, that was just beautiful. I mean, just listening to you, it seems like just listening to well you just shared the words but just listening to the words it's almost kind of like um yeah it's like a practice to bring me back you know to kind of into into that present moment into that flow into that intention of being in unison to um to the energy that i want to be a part of and i think to that something else that's huge for me is focusing on the intention mm -hmm. and so during that moment we were praying for the healing of the waters we were praying for the salmon and I feel like when I was in prayer I was focused on that intention and when we are all in unison focusing on that intention we are very strong manifestors. And I feel like something that I really had to learn is how all the energy that is in us goes into the energy that the earth will carry. And so mm -hmm. something that Chief Colleen says that's one of my favorite things that she's ever said to me is she said to let go of the weight and she said that it will make me a better heart carrier of the earth. And so I have a very good friend and she recently had a baby and the translation of her baby's name, it means heart of the earth. And so I remember I had this dream that I was carrying the heart of the earth. And so it was just interesting because I feel like when I was around her and she had this newborn baby and it was in her belly, I was so, I was just so careful, right? Because I didn't want him well, at the moment, I didn't know if it was a he or a she, um, but I didn't mean to say it. I meant to say he. <laughs> but um, yeah, at the moment, I, I was just so careful about the energy that I was giving him. And so I, I remember telling my friend, I said, you know how I am when I'm next to your womb and how I'm so aware of the energy that I'm giving your baby? I said, I feel like your baby teaches me how to be a better heart carrier of the earth because that same way that I am when I'm around your baby in the womb, that's the way that I should be every time that I step foot on the earth. 
that's the way that it should be every time that I touch the water. And so I just feel like when we become aware of how our energy is transferred into the earth and the water and everything around us, then we set our intentions of healing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so amazing that a little baby that hasn't even been born yet can teach such important lessons. And it's true. It's kind of like, you know, he was cueing you in terms of like, he was like helping to align your energy to, to the energy of like your highest expression. Mm -hmm. And, and also helping you realize that that's not just for when you're in his presence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And like, I really noticed it when I remember we were having a meeting and we were talking about the run for Sam and prayer journey and we were doing a debrief and, you know, sometimes conflicts can come up. And so I was retelling this story about a conflict that came up. And somebody said something to me like, Desiree, like when you retell the story, you don't have to mimic the people exactly <laughs> how, how they were because then you're bringing that energy into the space, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that when I became really aware of it was when, um, you know, Nidia, mm -hmm. um, her name is Nidia and she just recently had a baby and, um, yeah, so when her baby, when her baby was was there, a part of the debrief meeting, that's when I, I really took a step back and I was like, whoa, you're right. Like, I need to quiet my voice. I need to be calmer. And even though I am telling a story about a conflict, I don't need to relive the conflict because then I'm bringing that energy not only into the space, but it's going into the baby. And so I just feel like there is something about this baby that just makes the whole world slow down. And I feel like that baby is such a good teacher for me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> so, so, so beautiful. Yeah, and if we can just remember Nidia's baby, right? <laughs> <laughs> like wake up and have his picture in our mind and say like, yeah, it, and just kind of like as, as an attunement, you know, just as a reminder, like to, to align, to, to just remind us what the flow that we want to be in is. It just kind of helps to reprioritize everything. And that even if we do witness or experience injustice and violence and and so many of and and um, negative intention of others, his energy reminds us of the quality of our response of what we want, like our response to be the quality of that response kind of like regardless of the situation that we are in he's almost like helping us prioritize um like a posture of healing a posture of love a posture of hope a posture of you know of 
courage, a posture of beauty. And I feel like too, right now this just came to me. So I am also part Dine. So I am Onatsatis because my mother's mother is Onatsatis, but my mother's father is Dine. Mm-hmm. And so there was a moment where I went on a prayer journey and I was praying to the four sacred mountains, and so is associated with the color white. And so I, it's interesting because that mountain is also where we set our intentions. And that is the mountain that represents the newborn energy. And so a lot of the times we associate springtime with this newborn energy, but I feel like when I am reflecting on Cisnagena and the color white, it just reminds me of how even the salmon, the baby salmon, they are in the freezing cold water, right? And so there's something about the freezing cold and something about the snow that to me doesn't just represent the death of the trees because, you know, the the, the leaves are falling and everything. Um, But there's also like a birth that happens there. Like every time that I jump into the freezing cold water, I feel like I'm reborn. And every time that I am visiting these mountains that have snow at the top, I feel like I'm being reborn. And when that snow isn't there at the top, it, it doesn't feel good. And, and the truth is that some of these mountains always have snow at the top. And that because of climate change, things have been um, you know, affecting that. But I just feel like you just made me remember how, for me, cold is, to me, associated with being reborn, jumping into the cold water, being reborn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also what you said about setting intentions. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, maybe like if newborn is, is like spring, maybe like, you know, winter is like conception. It's like the setting the intentions, planting the seeds, kind of creating the vision of what's to come. And there's, there's, there's an element of rebirth in that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I didn't really think about these connections until right now as we're talking about it. But I feel like even when indigenous peoples go into the sweat lodge and they are in darkness and then they come out. And I know that the winter time is associated with that time 
Um, stillness. And I just feel like, to me, when we are still, it's like we're in the womb. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's like the springtime is when the baby comes out. Mm-hmm. But um, when we're in the sweat lodge, we're cleansing ourselves off to prepare ourselves for when we are reborn, when we come out. Mm-hmm. And so there's something about there's something about jumping in that cold water. It's like we have to clean ourselves off before we start walking again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like cleaning ourselves off of the confusion of the ignorance of the misperception of like the bad habits that we might have picked up along the way it's a time to cleanse ourselves off Mm -hmm. and I even feel like that too with snow because yeah there's something about snow that just feels like I know that I love the metaphor of Jack Frost because there's something about the snow that's, to me, a very light energy. It doesn't feel heavy. It feels light. Mm-hmm. For me, I know everyone has different ways of um, relating to snow. But for me, when that fresh snow is falling and then I'm playing in it, I just feel this childhood joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you were saying, you know, I love how, like, you're connecting te- like teachings of the elders and ancestral teachings with also your own lived experience and your own, like, feeling into the quality of what we're talking about and, like, your own intuitive awareness of that. I, you know, I think that's, that's a very helpful, um, like, modeling of, of what we can do during these seasons, you know, like you said, we can feel like, what is the quality of winter for us? What is the quality of cold water, of snow, of the conditions? You know, some of the people that are tuning in um, are not in snowy winters. Maybe they are in wet, rainy, humid uh, winters. But, But the point is like attuning to the quality of the season and, and seeing you know, what, what do the elders say about this? What do the ancestral stories say? And also like, what is my intuition telling me about this right now? Um, yeah, and also like what you were saying about how these mountains, the high mountains are meant to have snow the whole year um, round. And And when we see what is happening right now and we start to see less and less snow in the summertime, it's, it's, it's frightening and it's very sad. And I think it just heightens our awareness of like, of being very careful with our words, right? So like, for example, this word that is used hatred, like I hate winter. That might be like, Maybe what you're trying to say or what one is trying to say when one says that is like expressing like the discomfort or the inconveniences that happen. 
because of winter, but almost like, you know, the energy of Nidia's babies, like, we just have to be so mindful of, of the energy of the words that we use, especially at a time where we're just so close to even losing the whole concept of winter, which of course, none of us want. We don't want to lose winter. We don't want to lose the summertime snow on, on the mountains. And so it's really about being very conscious of what is our intention? What is our intention? What is our personal intention, you know, in terms of how we want to be with ourselves, how we want to be with other people, how we want to be with our more than human kin on the world, how we want to be with the earth, how we want to be with spirit, just kind of, you know, having ways to remind ourselves along the way, you know, having our babies, having our songs, our prayers, um, our different ways to, to remind us to come back to that intention. And I feel like what you just said was really important because you're talking about the power of words and you're talking about what we're manifesting and you're talking about being in alignment with the elements. And so I'm thinking of the Winamawintu and I'm thinking of the fire and water ceremony. And I'm thinking about all of the different phases of water and ice is one of them. And so I'm thinking about the glaciers and I'm thinking about how when these glaciers melt, how it impacts the polar bears, how it impacts the penguins, how it impacts all of the people whose lands are going to be flooded when these ice glaciers melt as well. And it really is just shifting the whole way of life. And so I feel like you cannot have one without the other. You cannot have fire without water. You also cannot have water without ice. You cannot have the hot without the cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so maybe this winter is also a winter to to pray for winter, to pray that winter stays with us, to pray that we wake up uh, to support the preservation of winter, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to remind ourselves why, why we need winter, why we want winter, why we can you know, be healed mm-hmm. through this energy of winter. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, Desi, I think I, I think you're right. I think we could go on for many more hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait to see you in person again. Um maybe for maybe in close, well, before we close, do you have any any last words that you'd like to share? Anything else you'd like to say? No, it's okay. I'm open to being still and I'm open to you sharing any more questions. Well, I was going to ask you if you could share that song one more time, the one that you you said that you wrote um, to help, you know, you come into alignment. The one that I... Or you were saying that we are like... The one that I said the words to. Mm-hmm. 
So I only began writing the song, um, but I can share that song. Um, how are we on time? We're good. We're on nature time. <laughs> We're on I'm nature time. If you want me to just sing the song or if you want me to give more context? Oh yeah, both. Why don't, yeah. So whew, this is a song that is also very um, deep and I feel like the first verse that I wrote was for me to remember to love myself and I feel like it's very easy for us to get into this mode where we are not present and where we really beat ourselves up. And I feel like this ties back into the conversation that you and I were having the other day. And so just to let the audience know, um, <laughs> Me and Natasha were talking on the phone and she was asking me about winter and she was asking me to be a part of this segment. And I was saying how I was feeling insecure and I was saying I'm not an expert and I don't know who wants to hear me talk about winter. And something else that I said is I said, I have a very hard time being still. And I was telling her how we live in a world that has so many demands and it is very difficult to find that balance and to be in that flow all of the time. And so, um, yeah, I was just telling her how, um, like people told me that I have ADD, that I have a learning disability. And so, I am not someone that is always present. I am not someone who is always aware of my surroundings and I beat myself up over it. And when I beat myself up over it, it creates this vicious cycle because then when I make the mistake, rather than being present and allowing myself to move forward, I'm in this regret. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I just made that mistake. I don't know if I just made someone mad. Oh my gosh. And so I get into this state where sometimes I am really beating myself up. And when we live in that state of regret, we are living in the past. And we're replaying it again and again, and we're beating ourselves up again and again, right? And it's like this cycle, this vicious cycle that really just creates this feeling of you made a mistake and now you're beating yourself up over that mistake. So now it turns into self-hatred and that makes you out of balance, which ultimately means that you're probably going to make more mistakes when you are not grounded because you're not present, right? And so I have really been having a difficult time forgiving myself, right? 
And they say that the trauma is not your fault, but the healing is your responsibility. So I have to really look at my life and I'm like, okay, well, I am someone who is learning about my traditional knowledge, but I didn't grow up that way. I grew up in the city and everything was very fast paced and I am learning how to decolonize myself. I'm learning how to make ceremony, not just something that I do during Run for Salmon, but how to really embody ceremony every second of every day of my life. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy. And so I think it's important that we forgive ourselves, right? We forgive ourselves and we love ourselves. And I feel like the more that we love ourselves, the more that we're going to be able to find that flow. And I feel like it is, it's a conditioning, right? Because so many people say that children have ADD and maybe, maybe there is something in their brain that is unique, but also me and Natasha were talking about this as well, how maybe these symptoms become amplified when you are in certain environments. Mm -hmm. And so maybe there are environments that can really nurture us and that can help us to get back into alignment. And winter to me is just one of those environments that forces you to slow down. Mm -hmm. And I was telling Natasha too, how it forces you to really, um, prepare ahead of time you have to slow down and start thinking ahead to prepare for winter and you cannot just run full speed into winter you have to slow down and prepare for it and so yeah I am just in this state of right now being in winter and right now doing my best to slow down and to be present, to listen to the stories. I was telling Natasha how there are these stories that are oftentimes only told during the winter. So for the Dana people, they are only supposed to tell the creation stories in the winter time because they don't want to tell these stories when all of the animals are awake. They want to say these stories when the animals are sleeping. And I've heard the same thing where women cannot um, weave the rugs that have the thunder being designed when there is thunder. And so it's this idea that you are supposed to wait until it's asleep. And so anyways, it really requires you to be present as you're listening to these stories because you cannot go back, right? So let's say I have um, my whole life, right? Had um, this idea that I have ADD. And so when I would hear a story being told, a lot of the times it was written in a book. So I could just go back and reread it if I wasn't paying attention. Mm -hmm. But with this context, it's oral tradition. So you cannot go back and hear it again. If you don't get it the first time, then you have to wait until the story is told again. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with the songs and the dances. It's this idea that you have to be fully present. And if you do not get it, then it was not meant for you. And mm -hmm. so 
I feel like there is something about just being in indigenous communities that requires you to really learn this practice of deep listening. Hmm. And winter time is that time when you hear all the stories and when people are inside of their homes and they're slowing down and they have that time to be able to share these stories by the fire. And so I just wanted to give that context because this song, it is about me learning how to forgive myself for the trauma and how to fully love myself and so that way I can be present. Growing up, I didn't think that I was special. Growing up, I thought there was something wrong with me. I was made to believe I was powerless, but the darkness continued to lie to me. They say that darkness attacks the brightest lights. I couldn't see that I was shining because I lost my sight. We do not deserve to suffer. We deserve to heal. The trauma is not our fault. We've got a higher purpose here. You are made of earth and water, fire and the stars above. You are made of love and you have strength in your ancestral blood. Connected to creator of all things. You're a reflection of every living being. Call on all relations inside you. You have the power to manifest anything. When I wrote this song, I was by the ocean and I had made a mistake and I was scared to go in the ocean because I felt like the ocean was going to punish me and I felt like I deserved to be punished and I had to transform that way of thinking and I had to really remember that I deserve healing. And so when I went into the ocean and it was cold, I had that experience of feeling like I was being cleansed off and feeling like I was being reborn. And I had to really believe that I was worthy of that healing. Which is actually like the deepest lesson of them all right is to learn that that the earth does not punish there's no punishment in the earth and that if we women are reflections of the earth then we don't need to be punishing anyone either and especially not ourselves and we are here to cleanse we are here to heal we are here to nourish and to nurture and to remind human beings who we are, to share our beauty, to share our medicine, to share our love. And I, I just can't even thank you enough, uh, Desiree. This was so beautiful, so beautiful. And, and, and I'm so grateful that, that we got to share this conversation and that so many people around the world will get to hear your stories and your medicine and your vulnerability and your song and your prayer and your intentions and your aspirations. Um, it's 
definitely such a so many gems in here thank for you, how to you, open to the medicine much event. much love to you and um and yeah can't wait to see you soon <laughs> oh my love